feel like a lot of businesses have been in the game for a very long time and you know they're unfortunately kind of looking for a way out at some point and this you know covid just kind of hit and are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one you're in the right place welcome to where should i invest real estate investing in canada with your host sarah larvey Hey everybody, Sarah Larby here. I'm going to do a different episode today. This is why it's released on a random day of the week and not a Friday, but I wanted to balance out the conversation that's happening with the pandemic. And I just ask you guys that to just keep an open mind. There will not be any, any commercials or anything in this podcast, but I wanted to bring in Christina Turner from Zucchini's Cucina. They are a restaurant that I really love in Oakville. And I just wanted to balance out the conversation a little bit just to see what they're going through as a restaurant throughout the pandemic and just entrepreneurs in general. And hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I'll tell you just a heads up. It's not real estate related, but uh, if you are starting a small business, you are an entrepreneur. This is going to be quite, uh, quite interesting. And I think as people, let's support our small businesses. Let's support our local businesses because at, at some point, if this goes on for much longer, we will be left with Costco, Walmart, Amazon shoppers and, and the grocery stores and, and variety will, will not be where once was. So Christina was awesome. I mean, she's answered tons of questions that I had about the restaurants and the restaurant industry and how they fared uh, during the lockdown and how they had to pivot. But, uh, you know, reach out to your local restaurants, support them, take out as much as possible. And, you know, we got to, we'll all get through this together and hope you enjoy today's podcast. And it is definitely a special one. And thank you to Zucchini's Cucina for, for just being open and sharing their story. So let's bring in Christina. Christina, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited. So this is a, a very different podcast that I'm used to, but uh, I've been at your restaurant. I love your food. And one of the things I want to do is, is I want to, you know, share the conversation of, uh, you know, businesses and, and restaurants just for us to get an idea of what's happening throughout the pandemic. But I also, you know, would love to hear about how, you know, you started the restaurant and all of the, uh, the uh, you know, entrepreneurial stories that you might have. And, but I think it is important though, at the end of the day, to balance out the conversation throughout the pandemic. Obviously COVID is a horrible thing and I, I hope nobody gets sick and I hope you guys listening to this don't get sick, but uh, there's other sides to the story. And I think just having that well-rounded conversation is really important. But Christina, can you give us a little bit of background about you first uh, and foremost and, uh, and what you do as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, my name is Christina Turner. Um, I am the front of house manager here at Zucchini's Kujina. I've uh, pretty much been here since we have opened in August of 2020. Um, we have two owners. One is our chef, uh, Giuseppe Ferraro, and the other is one of our partners as well, Anthony. Um, so we've all kind of joined forces together to make this restaurant happen. Um, over the past, you know, year, I want to say just under a year, it's been a very interesting uh, experience with what's kind of been going on um, at the moment. Um, so, you know, we opened in August, we kind of had intentions that hopefully COVID would just kind of be a one-time thing and the first lockdown would just kind of, you know, bypass and we go on to regular measures. But I guess now we're at the point of time that we're at at the moment and we're in the midst of our third lockdown. Uh, you know, we've all worked in the restaurant industry for 
several many years um, myself since I was like 15 years old. Joe's pretty much been on the same uh, platform. So this is something that we've never really seen in our our history of career working in restaurants. You know, to have what we have at the moment, our 30, 40 tables be empty. I'm kind of just looking at them right now and, you know, there's no guests in here and it's Thursday at three o'clock. And at this time we, you know, if this was regular, normal resumed hours, we'd have, you know, a couple people sitting in here enjoying the rest of their lunch and we'd be pretty much getting ready for our dinner service. So, um, uh, I guess just kind of touching base more so into what we do. Uh, we're a modern Italian um, eatery uh, or restaurant, uh, would you say? Uh, we provide fresh local food to our customers. Majority of the stuff is made in-house and the stuff that isn't made in-house, we get it from like fresh local uh, distributors, uh, people that make great product. And we know that we make great product and we you know, obviously want our guests to experience the same thing. So yeah, that's a little bit about us. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, restaurants to begin with, just pandemic aside and uh, COVID aside, the turnaround or the turnover on restaurants, what is that? Like, a, a, you know, most restaurants, 50%, I don't know what the stats are. You probably know better than me. Is it 50% every two years? Don't, uh, you know, don't go past that two-year mark. And then once you get to the five-year mark, is it 75%? I, I thought, I didn't think the restaurant industry was a that lucrative to begin with, right? And and a few a few do make it, and and you add the pandemic and you add all these constraints on top of that, you know that definitely makes it tough. Any any comments on that in general? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the restaurant business is is a tough industry in general. Um, you know, it it falls into the factors with many other industries as well. I believe if I remember, you are pretty much correct. I learned that in school too. It was like within the first year or the second year that you open, you pretty much have a 50% uh, success rate or chance of success rate. So if you uh, go past that uh, first year or two, then you're pretty much in the clear to continue going. Um, I mean, the longevity of restaurants isn't, you know, isn't uh, usually very long unless you've built a great rapport for yourself and you've built a great name. Uh, some places like I'll take Soto Soto, for example, you know, they've been around for 10, 15 years, however long they've been around, but they've built that reputation for yourself. Um, there's, you know, corporate places that, that last for their eight to 10 year mark. And then they flip over and they, they reface their, their platform and they become different restaurants. Right. So, um, it's kind of a hit and miss. Uh, you have to be super dedicated. You've got to really put full force your your life becomes a restaurant sort of aspect and if it doesn't then that's where it pretty much starts to like hit the fan and people don't really realize that either some people expect to just open a restaurant and think that you know i can just open it and have some fun with it not really the case like yeah there's a lot of fun but there's a lot of hard work too and if you don't know uh you know how to outlet properly or if you don't know how to run a restaurant properly then your chances of failure are probably more high than they are not. Yeah. And, and there's costs, right? There's costs of, of food waste, either there's costs of, and just pandemic specifically of having to buy all the extra stuff so that you can divide things properly. You have the right decals on the floor from, from a, a standpoint of having opened up amidst the pandemic, were there additional costs or things that you had to uh, go out and buy or, or do in order to meet all the guidelines when they were initially telling you that you were able to be open? Sure. Um, I mean, 
so first of all, I think we felt it the most during this last lockdown because of the fact that we were affected during Easter. Uh, so we had expected to have our 50% capacity and obviously our takeout running. Um, thankfully, we kept our specials, like what we were offering for Easter uh, Friday and uh, for Easter Sunday, quite small. So we were able to sell it during takeout. However, we had also expected, again, the restaurant to be open. So we had ordered some more quantity of things with hopes thereof that, you know, doesn't just come with food that comes with beverage and alcohol and, um, you know, some supplies that we need and X, Y, and Z. We want to make the, the restaurant look a little nice because it's a nice long weekend and we want people to feel comfortable. So there was just, you know, we had obviously spent on that. Thankfully, I think a lot of um, customers and regulars have come in and they were just like, oh my goodness, like you guys are closing up. Let, let me, you know, get as much as I can for to feed my family and whatever's sufficient. So that was good. We were able to clear stock in that sort of way. However, uh, during the regular um, dining and experience, you know, we had to put up our COVID signs. We offer free masks at the door for, um, for the customers. So these are extra expenses. Uh, the sanitizers, making sure things are sanitized and cleaned properly, um, you know, and we want people to know that we're doing this stuff too, because just because I say it when I, you know, bring a, a terminal over to the table that yeah, it's sanitized majority of the time, people don't believe that, right? So you gotta have the antibacterial wipes. Uh, you gotta have somebody doing that. Um, and uh, we had hired a, um, a girl who was pretty much her main responsibility was to make sure that things were sanitized. She helped with other things in the restaurant, but one of her main priorities was keeping the, the door handle sanitized and, you know, making sure the bathrooms were, were clean and X, Y, and Z to kind of fill that in as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you were talking about somebody to, to just do the sanitization, but did you have to make any shifts or changes to any of your staff? cooks and any cutbacks you know what what did that look like with uh with all the, yeah. the rules that's that's kind of been our biggest challenge uh, i think in my my position i think that has been my biggest challenge first of all it's been tough to hire people once we have reopened the restaurant um i feel like a lot of people think just because they're signing up for a part-time job um you know the government is paying, CERB is paying their $900 every bi-weekly. So why would I take on something that's only going to give me two, three days a week when I could be making $900 from the government? That's one factor that I found. And that's very, very true. Yeah. A lot of people said that and I've heard, I've heard that as well. Right. And, uh, and it seems like the remarks that you're getting in the interviews, like rather than the professionalism and, uh, and you know, getting to know you sort of like aspect has kind of gone out the door. Now they want to know how much money am I making? What do you expect me to be making? How many hours am I going to be putting in? Like if I'm not going to be doing this sort of thing, then I'm not going to bother coming to work. And you're getting that right at the interview. And I'm like, whoa. So <laughs> it's been hard. We were able to hire a few people. Unfortunately, once they pretty much got into the midst of working, we had to close down again. And that was so difficult for me to tell these people like you have to stay home, my staff, you have to stay home. You can't come into work, um, you know, this weekend. Like it, it felt heartbreaking for me, even though some of these, uh, these staff members have only been working with us for a week, two weeks sort of aspect. So 
Yeah, that is, that is unfortunate. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of them have families and, and, you know, and kids and things that they have to pay in, in order to keep living. And, and I think it's just from a, a, obviously for health, it's important, but just from a, an, like an economical standpoint, just the economy itself, businesses themselves, you know, people, I don't know how this is all going to play out at the end, because it, it just, it just seems that like, the more that we're into this, the harder it is for people that are probably lost everything to, to start doing something. So I, I really don't know how they're going to come out of this at the end, but it, you know, a lot of people had to pivot. I think one of the things that they recently asked you guys to do is, is no outdoor dining. And I don't, I don't know if you had a, a patio per se or, or not, but I guess, I guess it's tough, right? Because a lot of people will, will buy the outdoor furniture, they'll buy the heating lamps and then all of a sudden they have more restrictions. What are some things that you did maybe that are things that, that worked out for you in, in order of, of pivoting to try to just, you know, keep your, your, yourself above, above water? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, during the dining experience, we were obviously having everybody six feet apart and we took away a lot of tables and, you know, we made sure that everyone was as comfortable as they could be. Um, I've changed up the style of serving into making sure you ask the customer if they are okay. So would you like your food packed up? Are you okay if I pack it up sort of thing? Um, you know, you have to be really attentive to what people say because people have, um, little things that you can't maybe you don't grasp right away but it is something that's bothering them about covid or uh something along those lines even the most nonchalant person who you think is pretty cool just sitting at a a table at the end of their their meal hey can you bring me some hand sanitizer so everyone's kind of got their like little little things to it so it's just about you know making shift and making sure that they feel comfortable and, and that sort of thing um we uh, we did the outdoor uh, dining in the front of the restaurant uh, last year. We put up a couple of tables and it worked out all right. Some people sat out there, but for the most part, everyone wanted to sit inside. Uh, this year, because obviously COVID is still going on and um, the city was giving uh, more leeway with uh, giving permits and stuff like that, we were hoping to have an outside patio on our back. We got a nice big garage and some, um, some parking spot space and our landlord was all for it and uh, we were ready to go but then we got locked up so we kind of don't know you know moving forward if we that's something we should still even keep an option to because we don't know if you know we're actually going to open up next month or if they're just going to keep you know closing us down for the next little bit yeah i mean how how much longer just restaurants in general like how much longer do you think you know, restaurants can keep doing this for before they say, unfortunately, we've got to, we've got to shut down. I mean, you probably have other friends in the industry and other people that, you know, based on, based on your, your knowledge and, and, uh, you know, just the areas, like how many of those businesses are just not coming back at this point for good? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's a factor of two things. And I want to say this as, I guess, balance as possible. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of businesses have been in the game for a very long time and, you know, they're unfortunately kind of looking for a way out at some point. And this, you know, COVID just kind of hit and, and, you know, they were like, we made it this far, but, you know, we can't afford to do this any longer. And, and this is kind of just our, our way to close the chapter and move on in life. Um, but there are a lot of restaurants and people that we're talking to, restaurant owners, uh, you know, hairstylists, fashion boutiques, fashion boutiques are taking a huge toll right now. 
Um, people don't know a lot about that, but you know, majority of the places that they get their clothing shipped in from are non-accessible anymore. Uh, places like Italy and, and Germany and, you know, it's taking them so long to get in their items and they're left with buying clothing from unfortunately China where, you know, it's obviously a lot cheaper, but the quality of the clothing is not at the same roster that they were holding. So they're losing customers in that aspect and they're trying to make shift to provide people with clothing that they can get. And it's not, not the same, you know, customer rapport that they were getting before. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if this isn't the last lockdown and this just progressively continues, it's going to get harder and harder for everybody. You know, we feel it at first we're like, okay, like we should start offering our focaccia bread and we should start offering our dips and we should start offering that. And yes, there are things that we are able to offer and we are able to give customers and, you know, people want to come in for the takeout experience and we're really appreciative of all that stuff, but we have a full restaurant and, you know, each table you're, you're taking X amount of dollars away from each table that could possibly be there in the restaurant and to maintain the building is, you know, we have, thousands of dollars to pay in rent and we're not making those thousands of dollars just from takeout unfortunately and a lot of people are feeling that same way you know uh even coffee shops like even though the coffee maybe costs you three dollars and you go and you sit there for an hour or whatnot but if they're getting 30 40 people within an hour that are ordering three dollar coffees that makes a huge difference and that are able to sit there and enjoy their coffee and that's why they came the whole experience now they're getting maybe 10 at a time and that's cutting their costs in half if not more yeah absolutely i mean i definitely agree i mean it's not it's not just restaurants but you mentioned the boutiques the coffee shops i mean you guys have landlords you mentioned your landlord and i think like at, at some point the government's you know the government wanted to to give landlords uh, an opportunity to offer you guys a bit of a discount and if they offered a discount then they would pitch in, I think it was 50% if the landlords dropped it by 25% and then you guys paid 20, anyways, something along those lines, but not everybody qualifies for this kind of stuff. Not everybody qualifies for the grants. A, did you guys qualify? And, and if you can share why or why not? Uh, so we applied for uh, multiple grants. I believe there was two that we were allowed to apply for in the first grant session that they kind of opened up. Uh, we did not apply for either one of them. Their reason stating is that we did not have a profit loss to show from 2019. Because well, we are open in 2019. That's right. We are a new business. Um, and they had also stated on TV that they were here to help small business and new business. And for us, we feel like they haven't really given us anything and they haven't even given us the opportunity to vouch or somebody to talk to where we can, um, you know, we can say, okay, like, yeah, maybe we don't have to show you this, but we got to show you the past several months that we've been doing and how the decline is affected during the lockdown. Um, you know, we haven't had that opportunity. You know, the banks give you pretty minimal information because they only have minimal information. They don't even know where the heck it's coming from. Do you want to come say hi? <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so, 
you know, we were kind of just stuck at this like no aspect and uh, we had to, to bite the dust and we had to deal with it and we had to, we're still trying to think of ways that we can, you know, try to benefit from this or, or, you know, to escalate differently in a different direction without the government. Yeah. I mean, or to, or to mitigate the loss, right? I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of debt or you've got to have really deep pockets. You're either taking on a lot of debt or you've got really deep pockets either, either way, right? Because it, it, it'd be hard to, to make a profit right now. What can, you know, I mean, this is a, an, you're in Oakville, you're uh, close to the downtown core of Oakville. What are some things that people can do, whether it's to support your restaurant or other small businesses? Like what are some ideas that you have that people like us can, can help and, uh, you know, maybe start doing? Uh, you know, I, as much as I want to say, come in and order food. Yeah, that's awesome. But I think we're, we're all at this point now where we want to advocate, um, that small businesses taking a huge loss right now. And, um, a lot of people are suffering from this and this just, just goes beyond just our restaurant in general. We all need to kind of, you know, back each other up and realize that in Canada, there's a lot of small business corporate businesses like that much of the, the aspect and small businesses like that much of what makes our, can, our Canadian, you know, country really great. Um, so we have to make people aware. We have to get people involved. Um, there are many groups and many people who are out there trying to advocate this. We, uh, we just hooked up with um, a group. They are called We Are All Essential. You can find them on online. We are all essential.ca. And, you know, they help small businesses they advocate them into the right direction, whether you want to open your doors or not. They are trying; they're here to help you and to get you in with a mentor and to uh, talk to somebody and, you know, again, steer you in the in the right place. Um, as for you know our customers and the people that want to come in and walk in the door, don't be afraid. Come in, you know, if you want to stop by for a quick coffee and just have a little chat about you know what's going on, what's going on with your business, what's going on with our business. We need to be really vocal. We need to be really aware of what's going on and we need to stay up to date like with events day to day, making sure we're telling each other what's going on. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if this goes to the extremist uh, like right or left position that we're in and, you know, let's say the whole cops come and they're detaining people from going into whatever restaurants, hair salons and X, Y, and Z, we all need to fight together. That's what I think. Um, we need to stand united because if we don't, then the government and uh, you know, other people are gonna overtake what we, we have to offer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, uh, that Instagram that we all are, are all essential. I'm, I'm part of it and they, they have some great points and this is, this is not because I'm taking one side or the other. This is, we have to have a balanced conversation, but at, at some point that right now we're not addressing, I mean, we're not addressing all the mental health and the abuse that's happening and everything else. Um, and, and my spouse is a police officer for Halton. So, you know, we, we see this, um, but it's, it's not as advertised. Um, but the other part of it is, you know, businesses, it's business owners, it's entrepreneurs, um, you know, and it's, and it's people that have put in their blood, sweat and tears for years and everything that they have to make a, a business work. And, and it's tough, right? It's just like, what is the right 
way to go about it. And, and I'm seeing some businesses stand up and, and open up, which, you know, again, I think it's cool provided that you, you meet the safety protocols that a Walmart or a Costco or whoever else has the same protocols. I think you guys, you know, as small business in a way, you're able to control it a lot better. You're able to control, you know, distancing and, and, uh, and so forth. I don't necessarily think that shutting down restaurants and gyms is necessarily the, you know, that's, that's, likely overkill. That's just my opinion, guys. So, you know, if you don't agree that, you know, it's, it's totally cool. Let's just be able to understand each other's, each other's points of view. But at some point, I think you're right. Like we either, this needs to go away at some point soon, or it's going to be very extremist, right? Are we going to get even more freedoms taken away? Or, you know, are people going to say, I'm going to open up, but you can't do it by yourself, right? Like you can't open up a restaurant out of hundred restaurants nearby, and then you're going to be the one that's singled out. So at some point people do need to come together and, uh, and stand united in whatever direction that it is. And I think, especially with a third pandemic, I think people are starting to see more of the numbers, more of the data, ask more questions. I'm not denying that it's a real thing. It is a real thing. I know people that have had COVID and, you know, I've had people that have gotten sick, more sick than others. But at the end of the day, is it also, you know, not important to look at the suicide attempts, the overdoses, like the, you know, all the additional things that I don't know why we're not having those conversations around it. In addition to our economy and small businesses. And you are absolutely right. In Canada, the majority of the businesses are one to 199 employees. That is the majority that is a bread and butter across Canada of the businesses. It's not like the US. The US is like the opposite. They have the jumbo businesses. Majority of employees work in these jumbo businesses, but it's very, very different here. You know, this is how we've created our, our economy. This is why I think Canada is so awesome. But if we don't find a way to unite in some capacity, whether it's all restaurant owners, all businesses and, and speak up, then I, I, I don't know. I'm actually a little bit worried of what can happen down the road. And I think, I think now it, you're right. Yes. People are waking up a little bit. They're starting to realize, okay, we've been doing this for the past year and you know, what's, what's the outcome? Like, obviously we're not really helping anybody if we keep locking down, like what's going on, but there is also a divide of people who, who feel like just because we want to open our business that we are anti-maskers or we're anti-vaccinators or we're anti like COVID. That's not necessarily the case. We just, we want people to be fed, have food on their table with the money that they're able to get from working. And, you know, whether you want to wear a mask or not, when you come into this establishment, that is your choice. That is not my choice. Um, however you feel that you want to protect yourself is all completely up to you. Right. But now there's a, a little bit of a separation. So if you go outside of your grocery store and one guy's not wearing his mask and then the lady behind him who's wearing the mask is telling him to put on the mask and then they start fighting, it's, it turns into this whole big ordeal. For what? A year ago, we weren't wearing masks. No. And you know what? I've seen many tests with the masks where like people are smoking or vaping and then they're like putting their mask on and like all the smoke goes right through the masks. Right. And, and again, like, you know, a year ago they were saying, don't bother with masks. Like, and now they're saying you can't go anywhere without a mask. So there, I think there's just been a lot of contradiction along the way that just makes us start to become skeptical and say, you know, can they actually be trusted? Do they have our best interest and why are they doing all of these things? And I do want to, you know, switch a little bit because like, 
you're, you're talking about people coming into the restaurant and, and, and enjoying the experience. And I think that's super important because I think it's part of your mental health to get out of your house and like, whether it's going to, going to work out or even just going out and socializing for, for an evening at a restaurant. I mean, I definitely miss that. But I, I also think that as, as people, sometimes we take the path of least resistance and we just order on uh, Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats and like, they're great, they're great companies. But I'll, I'll tell you, if you're, if you're ordering from those, I, I don't know, like um, the profit of, of your stuff specifically, but it definitely reduces it. And I don't know if, you, if you're able to share a little bit of like how that works, you know, somebody ordering from Uber Eats or, or whatnot versus like driving and, and getting takeout to, to, you know, to help you guys a little bit more. Absolutely. Okay. So I guess I'll give you kind of like two ends of the spectrum, the way that I see it. Um, the first end is that before we opened the restaurant, I was using Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats quite a bit. Like I would order at my workplace, I would order, you know, at home and whatnot. Great service, really easy to use, super user-friendly. Um, even now Uber is getting, their platform is getting even bigger. You can order groceries or whatever you want on there. Um, so, you know, for that, it's been super efficient, I think, for the uh, customer experience. For the restaurant experience now that we're on the back end, uh, has been a little bit, it's had its ups and it's had its downs. So uh, they obviously, you know, they offer you a lot of benefits now with the COVID stuff. You know, you want to do free delivery, um, buy one, get one free sort of options. They kind of do that for the restaurant. You know, sometimes I think Skip uh, for the last lockdown had uh, like, we pay like a $3 service charge for all the orders that were going out, it was something along those lines. So they cut the prices a little bit, which was good. Um, now here's kind of like the negative, like opposing opinion. What I'm finding is, you know, a lot of people are ordering restaurant quality food. And when, by the time it gets to their door for however long it took the driver to get here and to get to, to their door, they're no longer, enjoying that experience the way that it should be enjoyed. So, you know, you're paying a premium, you're paying $28 for a plate of pasta, for example, or for, you know, a sandwich X, Y, and Z. By the time it gets to your house, you're like, why did I pay $28 for this? But people also don't realize that it took the Uber driver at first what would have said 15 minutes to get to the restaurant. Then he changed it to 26 minutes. And then he came here, he ordered, or he dropped off two other orders on the way. And by the time he got to his, your house, it's already been an hour and 15 minutes, maybe. Or something along those lines, 45 minutes. So your food is cold, may have been shaken around in the vehicle a little bit. And then we're getting, you know, bad starts or bad comments or some, some explanation along those lines. So that's what I found was the kind of the downfall of it. it. It's again, it's a great platform and it's, you know, super easy to use and people really go to it because they, they know that they're going to get a ton of restaurants or takeout food options and they can kind of compare between the two of them. But for the restaurant end, it's, it's you, yes. you're losing the quality and we already know that. For us, it is better if you either call in or you order on our website because you as a customer are coming to pick up your food and you know what you're getting and you know where your food product has been and you know who's traveled with it, where it traveled to, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great points. Well, Christina, I mean, it was a pleasure talking to you. Can you let us know that the listeners, they wanted to eat and, and reach out to you? What's the best, uh, the best way to get in touch? Sure. Yeah, of course. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, we are Zucchini's Cucina. We are at 438 Kerr Street in Oakville on the corner of Kerr and Spears. Uh, you can call us at 905-808-8374. Find us online at www.zucchiniscucina.ca or on Facebook and Instagram at Zucchini's Cucina. Amazing. That's awesome, Christina. Thanks for sharing your stories. I mean, I'm a big supporter of small businesses. You know, folks, folks listening to this, we've got to, we've just got to do more for our businesses. We've got to do more for our local businesses because if we don't do anything right now, by the time that this is all over, we're literally going to have Walmart, Costco, and shoppers left. And that will be really sad. So Christina, thank you so much. And I love your food, by the way, you guys, uh, you guys are awesome. You're awesome too. Thanks, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.